Hey, what's good? <laughs> what's up? Welcome to the Chef FX podcast. I'm trying something a little new, but I wanted to introduce these with a somewhat official intro so that you guys have a rough idea of what's going on in this podcast. So basically, I ran into the Penguin Man unexpectedly, and I got to chop it up with him about honor societies. Uh, he told me a little bit about his futsal class, and at the end, I go into depth about the chef set. Um, yeah, so please enjoy. Yeah, what do you think of five year camp? You want to join? I did pay my membership fees. Oh, so you're already locked in? Yeah, I told uh my family about what happened. And then I came today. Uh, this is mine. I think they left this. Whatever. The scholarships sound nice. Uh, the projects. I don't know about them. I wanted. I wanted to be involved. Obviously. Yeah. To me, the projects are the most interesting part because I'm always working on some shit. Like that's one of the skills that I have built up over the last couple of years is just open-ended projects, like doing something, completely figuring out why it's interesting, what I need to do to complete it and completing it and then making sure it met all the criteria. That's like my favorite thing right now. So obviously I wanted to repurpose something related to audio or podcasting, um, which would have been very easy to do if, if I did it as an analysis, but like basically like transcribing things that were said and then making comments about certain things. Um, like there's a lot to say about language, for instance, uh, that can be backed by real research that is captured on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, but the fucking <laughs> see the to me this Ada Capanu or whatever it is I I don't know the name of it I'm thinking of something else that's why Ada Capanu came out but like this society this honor society to me represents a lot of what I don't like about school not to say that any one member is a bad person but it encourages a way of of going about doing things that I don't fully agree with. I agree with like 80% of it. But then the last 20%, that's what I usually get in arguments over. Because uh, what, to me, you should start off with like a fundamental philosophical, philosophical approach. What is the purpose of this activity? And, if, and usually with a lot of school-related shit or business-related shit, the purpose is not to make the greatest impact. It's not to do the greatest work you can do. It's something else. Like in this case, they want you to do some community-related project. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But then they add in, oh, but it has to be done within this year or whatever because there's got to be oversight for the whole thing. Why? What does that have to do with the output? You know what I mean? We could have been, we could have done doper work in MLK with what's his name than they're ever going to do. 
And and I I know how to write it up perfectly. I know what to focus on. A lot of people listen to shit and they don't know why it's interesting. They don't know what's special about that moment. But I know what's special about that moment and I know how to communicate that. So a lot of shit that seems like it's complete, you know, it's just nonsense. I can process that and present it in a way that they would appreciate. Now, to me, it's raw form is the best way. But I understand, you know, for somebody else who's never had any experience with any of that type of stuff, they need it processed. They need to understand why somebody would spend their time and energy doing something like that. So I'm cool with that and I'm willing to do that. But then you run into these bullshit ass rules. And you know what? You I don't know if you when you walked in to the conversation when I was with, in an argument with what's her name? Yeah. Great girl, by the way. <laughs> um, but I said, OK, this is the rule. I got it. But here's a question. Do you agree with this rule? Is this a good rule? And then she just kept going back. Well, I mean, that's just the way that the rules are. I mean, that's just how it is. I know that's how it is. I know. All right. I know that's the rule. But my question is not what the rule is. It's, is it a good rule? Is this a rule that you would defend personally? I know you have to because that's your position. But off the record, what do you think about this rule? Does it make sense to you? She couldn't answer the question. What's his name came in and he agreed with the rule, but at least he had a reason for it. So I said, okay, now I can, his reasons weren't good. Like his reason was, he said, well, the thing is, if you're working on it and you're not a part of the group, you're not a part of this team or whatever, then no matter how you submit it, the fact of the matter is you did all the work. There has to be someone else who's a member of this society who is on the team. Now, there are two things wrong with that to me. One of them is the impact shouldn't depend on who worked on it. Um, and two, uh, there was somebody who's uh, who's now a member who worked on it with me. So I said, what if somebody who is a member did work on it with me? Then is it okay? Then that gets rid of the whole you're doing it by yourself problem. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, that's very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's 100% true. And then he said, uh, well, you know, still the rules are what they are. So he basically just abandoned his whole argument. Because he thought that it was going to be a zinger, but it, it wasn't. The truth is there are things that I've worked on with you mm-hmm. that are worthy of being written in a proper report, right? Now, am I ever going to do it? Probably not. But that would give me an incentive to do it, is that it's a part of this official project. I'm participating in the Honor Society, whatever. I'm more willing to do it in that format than doing it solo because now I have other things to do. Now I am moving toward the world where they've only inhabited, which is the world of doing things because other people think it's valuable for you to do them. Versus when I was in jail, when I was coming out of jail, I didn't do anything because I I went to outpatient group. That's it. And I actually liked going to outpatient group. You know what I mean? I was living like a rich man. No no bills to pay. I just did the stuff that I thought was worth doing. That is something that they've never experienced. So when I come to them saying, I have work. I've done work with people who are currently in the honor society. You already paid your dues. Yeah. Right? What's wrong with it? Oh, well, I mean, you haven't done it. It's supposed to be about doing it this year. Listen, I'm never going to be in that situation again. This is a unique... I said, listen... If you listen to the Beatles right now, is it just as valuable as when they, you know, when they did it? Yes, it's probably more valuable, <laughs> right? There are certain things where the value does not depend on when you did it. 
I'm talking about timeless work. Isn't that something your honor society should be congratulating? Or at the very least encouraging? They say, well, no, because those are not the rules. Like, see, that, that's one of those things I don't like about school. Is people are so stuck trying to fit into some mold that they don't even, they're not even using the critical thinking that they're supposed to be developing in their own lives. They're not, I, like I said, it's okay, I understand that this is the rule. But I'm asking you a different question. Is it a good rule? What is your criteria for what is good and what isn't? And that's where she gets stuck, which is hilarious to me, because that's the place where, as a student, I think you should begin. That's where the thinking begins. Not reciting off rules, not reading off of PowerPoints. That's bullshit. It's what do you think? And that's where I disagree with, after a certain point, a lot of students stop right there and they think, well, I'm a part of the honor society. So I mean, I mean, I mean. It's like, yeah, you're a part of the honor society. Yes, you're an officer. Yes, you have a title. But think about what you're telling me right now. You're not, you're, you're discouraging me from doing a project that I want to do. And arguably you should want me to do simply because it involves material from the past. Let me ask you this. I, I should have brought this up, but let's say I do a research project. If the research was written three years ago, is it still a research project now? Yes. The content came from a different time, but it's still good now. I would still be processing all the information now. The, uh, the recordings I'm not creating, right? See, this is good that I brought this in. I I've never knew that this could happen. I guess I have to, uh, I don't know, put some kind of a timer on. Obviously, I have a lot of stuff to vent on after that. <laughs> I just, I don't know if I've told you, but I've been a part of honor societies before. All of them, I've had a bad experience. These honor societies are bullshit to me. I don't know why. And again, when I say bullshit, I, I agree with 80% of what's going on. It's just that the last 20%, to me, I'm so confused why smart people are accepting this. I don't understand why they're not just as upset as I am, you know? That's what gets to me about these honor societies is that they do things that I'm wondering like, what, how does this align with your, your principles as a scholar? Because shouldn't you be asking these questions that I'm asking you? Shouldn't you be asking yourself? If you're not, I'm confused. What, what is it that you think this is about? What? And the answer seems to be the same. Like I said, for business, school basically is a business, you know, and a lot of people play the game that way. But as someone who does slightly less often than people in your randomly selected, you know, what's it called, officer in an honor society in a community college, since I do it slightly less than that, I just look at him and I think, man, this is really sad. And they're looking at me thinking the same thing. Look at this dude trying to complete a project. <laughs> he doesn't even understand the rules. <laughs> no respect for the rules, huh? Come on now, come on. But anyhow, shout out to both of them. And one of those guys is in my journalism class. I actually did a presentation with them on Monday. So shout out to him. But he was the guy who actually had some something to back up what he was saying. And if we could have continued for longer... I should have had him on the podcast. <laughs> if we could have continued for longer, I would have convinced him uh, to, to be on my side because he, he actually did have some points, 
But the beauty of that is they can be broken down. When you have a stance, then that is the challenge, basically, is to, to show someone that, that those three things, five things, whatever finite number of things that are holding up their shitty idea, that all of them don't hold. And I showed that one of them didn't hold. But I didn't have enough time to go through his two-part defense. But what's her name? It was just a matter of like, well, I'm the officer. So did I tell you the first thing she told me? I said, can I, uh, can I do a project with? What's the minimum number of people I can do the project <laughs> with? And then she said, well, if you want to run for the office, then you. And I said, I said, okay, but you're the one who runs it now. So what do you say? Yeah. You know, how many people? And she said, well, it has to be approved by the, you know, the guy who gave yeah, the speech, yeah. him, and we all have to sign off on it. So I'm like, so you, that's three people plus me. So four, what's the number, right? And uh, she said, yeah, well, I mean, I don't really like you, so. (laughs) (laughs) No, she didn't say that. Like I said, she's a great person. She was just a little frustrated because I I told her her straight up, listen, I'm going to do something that maybe you're not used to hearing, but tell me what you think about the rule, not what the rule is. But what do you think about it? Does it actually make sense? Are there any flaws? Are there any, what's the good thing? What, what are the pros and cons of a rule of this nature? What are the consequences of this rule? What does it eliminate from the possible projects that can be done? What does it say about the purpose of these projects? Anything, any reaction to this rule, I'm desperate to hear. Because all I'm hearing from you is, it is what it is. You know what I mean? And that's, that's fugazi, you know? I was actually telling her, what if I just did it last year, but I tell everyone that I did it this year? (laughs) Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and she's like, well, that would be bad integrity. And I said, it's only (laughs) bad integrity because the rule exists. If I could be honest about it, I would just be honest about it. It's not that I'm out to, you know, trick people. I'm out to do good projects. The only problem is you're eliminating my project from the possible projects because of the timing which has nothing to do with whether or not it impacts society. I thought this was about impacting society. You know what I mean? What about a long-term project? What about something that takes three years to develop? By their definition, that's a bad project. That's crazy. Anyhow, I think that's everything I have to say on that. What time is it? 12.50. You have class, right? I had my class futsal. I'm taking the second level of it. Oh. It has no bearing on your skill level. It just, once you take the first one, you take the second one. And today, uh, he was going off on uh, our instructor, the, the coach, about uh, how people come and are not prepared. So yeah. they don't have their stuff on. And then that's not fair to people who come like 20 minutes early and start setting up the goals. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you're always going to get a mixed bag. But people have different levels of enthusiasm. You can't expect somebody who doesn't give a fuck to show up early and set up the nets. Yeah. It's a required class, right? This class? Yeah, futsal. What do you mean required? You have to get a certain number of PE credits and that fulfills them? Yeah, I think it's two. Yeah. I don't don't remember, though. Hmm. Yeah, man, people don't give a fuck. People barely care about, a lot of people don't even care about some classes in their major. 
if it's not like directly what they're interested in. It's weird. Mm. Speaking of which, my my journalism class, I actually, I think I'm gonna like that class because there are some real journalists, or they claim to be real. <laughs> I haven't read anybody's blog, but there are some people who really care about it, and the and the professor cares about it. So, as they should. I mean, I guess that's not really an outstanding uh, comment, but but it, it is it is really cool and. The, it's not all discussion based, but it's a lot more than, you know, my dry ass arts class. That class, the only the only time we have a discussion is when I'm whispering something to the chick next to me. What do you think about? What do you think about that sculpture? <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's an old white lady who has bad hearing, who's just lecturing the whole time, the whole time. I mean, sometimes it's cool, but. She, the little amount of class participation that she encourages, she can't hear you. So like, does anybody know what? Like she asked somebody yesterday, she asked the class, does anybody know what a neoclassical is? Neoclassical. <laughs> neoclassical. And no one was answering her. So I, I sit all the way in the back. I sit, I sit in the back in the middle so that basically I can lay down in the middle aisle and go to sleep as soon as she turns on the video. So I'm all the way in the back and I raised my hand and I said like new classical. <laughs> and she was like, hold on, hold on. So she had to walk all the way over down the aisle to the back. <laughs> can you repeat that? New classical. You said, okay, now what is that? And then I kind of cut her off and said, wait a minute, what, what are all these, what do these distinctions even mean? What's the difference really between new classical and classical? What's the difference between modern, postmodern, this, that? What are, what are the properties? I'm coming at this from a physics standpoint. What physically is different? Not the names. Fuck the names. What is actually different physically about the way people are doing these sculptures? Because memorizing these words without any frame of reference is nonsense. Nobody's paying any attention to what you're saying. But uh, basically, she said, oh, well, she said the same thing they were saying in that meeting. It depends on when they carved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the style. And this is the style of the Greeks. Okay, so why not just call it classical? Why not just say this lady did it at this time, but it's classical. It's the classic style. To me, that makes a lot more sense. Just make sure the date's included on some level. And say, okay, anything made at this date... That's this one. After this date, if it's the same style, that's that one. But why embed the date? Why not embed the month in there? <laughs> March neoclassical. February neoclassical. <laughs> like, how deep do you want to get into time? This is an arbitrary chop in time to say, okay, this is neo, this isn't. Basically, it has to do with the way that the figure is... Uh, is standing or the way the detail in the face and uh, which muscles are flexed. I forgot the name for it, but they're all the same. It is classical. They're the same thing, you know, just like, you know, the project I want to do, <laughs> the stuff that I've done in the past, and then, you know, what I wanted to submit now. It's the same. But, you know, it is what it is. How are you going to convince a sheep to be a chef? <laughs> Even if they are, even if they are in a high and mighty position, it's the same struggle since the beginning of time.
I guess in my opinion, there isn't anything different. I don't really have much of a respect for time. Like, we have new technologies, but our concerns, you know, our desires, they seem to be pretty much the same. Unless you go back to, like, Anthropocene and, you know, some kind of a other ape that came before <laughs> humans. I'm sure maybe they thought maybe it was the same back then, too, you know. They were just worried about getting laid, getting food, and having enough status in their society so that they could survive comfortably. <laughs> Same things that uh, made people happy then make happy people today. Yeah. And it wasn't social media. A lot of the new things make people m- miserable. I mean, a- as a listener, one thing I like about this medium is that it's the same old, same old. It's not really anything new. The thing that's new is being able to export it. But the process of making it is not different from from any other conversation other than certain people, you know, they get turned on or turned off by things like this. But yeah. So this is a uh, vector image, which is, so originally... When I, whenever I draw stuff um, on my phone or my in the old days on my tablet, what you create is an image of pixels, so a bunch of small dots. But for this, it's actually points and curves, so it's one mathematical operation. And because of that, it's easy to scale it. You can make it really big or really small, and it won't affect the quality of the image. Um, in theory, it won't affect it at all, but on a practical level, I made it so that it's a vector image, but then I converted it back into a bitmap image. So actually, yeah, this is pixels. Um, But, you know, the quality is pretty reasonable. I mean, it doesn't stand out as particularly bad. And uh, I think I had moved by the time I started ordering shit from my uh, online store. But you should have seen the first poster I made. It was fucking horrible. (laughs) It was horrible, because I drew it on an iPhone. I didn't know shit about images, and I just sent it in, and when it came back, there were just dirty pixels everywhere. Mm. But that's also what this represents to me, is uh, a slight graduation from the bitmap images, the fact that it can show up on a large screen with this level of clarity, although to you maybe it looks highly ugly. It's uh, <laughs> it's actually uh, a little bit of a accomplishment learning how to make those because I did it the long way tracing it took me like four hours but anyhow um, maybe I should wrap this up as a mini podcast no I don't have to it's only 12.59 so I don't have class until 1.30 yeah so this tutor training class I think I'm an unethical tutor. In what sense? I think that when I take this class, I'm going to realize I I do a lot of fucked up stuff. Because I... I come in more from a humanistic standpoint than anything else. Like if I'm walking up to someone who I'm going to tutor, it's not as an authority. 
it's as like a friend or at least somebody who's not an enemy. <laughs> so, um, but the downside of that is I do things that I do with regular people that might not fit within the, you know, the right paradigm for tutoring. Like I tell a lot of jokes and I, um, the way that I approach people sometimes is, I hope it's not distracting, but like I'll, I'll read body language rather than waiting for them to call my attention. Um, right now I think it's a strength, but I think that's one of the things that might be beaten out of me throughout this five week course. Cause it's five really long sessions from one thirty to three thirty, And I think like after all that, I'm probably going to stop fucking around. Like maybe I'll be more serious. But then again, there's only one more quarter. I don't think I'm going to be tutoring in the summer unless it's available. So, I mean, this is not an, uh, I never try to do this, <laughs> but I've definitely, I've definitely been tempted to flirt while I <laughs> tutor. I hope I'm not, but you know, it's, that's just biology, right? I mean, I'm the same age as these people. And I'm coming in, like I said, I'm not really doing it like, okay, I am, listen to me, I do this. I'm more just like, hey, do you need help? I'm here. If not, I'm not here, you know? And after you're, if you're in this kind of a weird, you're building relationships with people. And that is a sticky area that I think I, I don't necessarily do it the best, you know? But maybe I'll learn. Maybe they'll dry me out. And... uh no more bad jokes or more of them. Fuck it. Maybe I'm doing something <laughs> right. Like here's a habit I got into over the last week. If somebody says, uh, is this right? Then I automatically say wrong. <laughs> but it's not because it, I'm trying to loosen things up. Yeah. But to the wrong person, that could actually affect the way that they perform in the future. So overall, I think I do pretty well. But I don't know, you know. I don't know. I might be doing everything fucking wrong. You ever asked about the performance in the class? What do you mean? As in, uh, if you just check, do like a, just ask, like, you know, how are you doing in your class? Like, do you have, I don't know if you would say, like, what grade you got, but just the general feel of how. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. Maybe I, maybe I should, but here's why I haven't had to. Um, for each problem, you could just think of it as an isolated problem. Well, that's not completely true. It's each problem reveals what concepts are weak in their mind. So instead of thinking about the grade, which is closer to the output, I usually think about the concepts that are weak in their mind and think if I can get those as strong as I can within this whatever amount of time session, then the result will be that their grade is higher than it otherwise would have been. But the grade itself really, I'm never concerned with it. They're pretty concerned with it though, so I don't have to. (laughs) I don't have to worry about it. But I mean, that's the way I approach school. I don't really, I'm not really too concerned about my grades. I'm more concerned about understanding whatever the fuck people are talking about. I mean, in the class. So what's happened is that 
over a long enough period of time, you do get better grades that way. So, I mean, I've been in positions where I cared the least about the grade, but I had the highest grade. Um, because the obsession over the grade does not lead to you increasing your performance. What leads to you increasing your performance, in math at least, is strengthening your weaknesses and making sure and you know just double checking that you're solid in all the areas where you believe that you're strong. So it, it doesn't really matter to me. But again, who knows? I could be fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. It could turn out my whole brain will be flipped by this tutor training class. But yeah, the tutor, I mean, I've been tutoring for a quarter. And I just stepped my game up. Now I tutor for like four hours a day or something ridiculous mm -hmm. like that. Before I was tutoring less than four hours a week. But that's when I was at Evans Lane and then I, I left. So it was a different time. But now, basically, you know what I mean? I tutored today, and now I'm going to this tutoring class. <laughs> it's just a requirement. I think it's a pass-fail, too. <laughs> so whatever. That's cool. Did I ever show you the uh, chef set? No. I don't think so. I think well, I was working on it mostly uh, like last quarter, so I wasn't seeing you as often. Um, where is she? So the idea of the chef set is that it's a generalization of Chef of X. So Chef of X Comics was like this uh, this series I made while I was at Ruskegee, going insane, slowly losing my mind. And it had one character, and it was a black circle, it was a black stick figure with a chef hat. And then later on, I created a comic with the red chef, which I guess was like many people interpreted it as the evil Chef of X, and at the time I did too, but it was closer to the like out of the mold Chef of X. So it was at first it was like scientist ish person, then it was scientist ish person and anti scientist ish person, and that was Chef of X Red Chef. But the thing was, it was anti scientist ish, but still a critical thinker on some level. And uh, then the last thing before I got locked up was uh, the sheep. I actually drew a sheep in my cell. But because uh, this lady, one of the guards came by and there was like an owl that was drawn in my cell. And she was like, oh, did you draw that? <laughs> and I said, no. And I was actually quite annoyed because it was there for a while. So I guess she hadn't seen that cell for a while. Um, this was like a months in. She was like, oh, oh, I just thought it was a nice owl. And then I thought, oh, so if I draw something, then nothing bad's probably going to happen. I mean, I'm already in jail. Mm. So uh, so I just drew a huge sheep. And then I drew a couple of, like, chefs alternating, like Chef and Red Chef. Um, but anyhow, a lot of the time, 
that I was, especially when I was like coming out of psychosis, I was thinking about the sheep specifically because I didn't know, just to go through it again, first scientist, then scientist, anti-scientist, which is very, very vague. Then scientist, anti-scientist, sheep, and the sheep was like not at all a critical thinker was the rough idea. And basically by the time that I got out, I realized that the the best way of splitting it was um, the scientist, the artist, and the uh, like the layman, like the person who is not particularly uh, skillful, just like average basically, um, at least average with respect to what most people would consider artistic talent and, and or what most people would consider technical abilities. Actually, that happened before I went to jail. So I don't know where. Yeah, it was science and art, basically, and non-specialist. But since then, basically all my energy was spent making music and making podcasts. And at the end of last year, basically coming out of graduation, coming out of Evans Lane, whatever, it was the first time that I tried to finish what I was thinking about uh, back in the Reskigi days while I was going insane. And it w- and this is the most complete picture as of now. So in each iteration, it kind of captured more of the human condition, or at least slightly more accurately, in my opinion. But this is, to me, the, the full scope of mostly what I'm perceiving when when I'm meeting someone. Like, what is their life about? And anyhow, let's get to the thing. So you got now you got the scientist is the black circle. The artist is the red circle. The sheep is the layman who's just not particularly great at any of them. But they're no longer static. Any of them can turn into any of the others. And that's what those other four are for. So if you go from the bottom to the left, then you'll see the red sheep. And the red sheep is the student of art. So then obviously the red sheep can become an artist after they've completed a meal that they consider is significant, some work of art, some accomplishment that's aligned with their values. Um, If you go from the bottom to the right, then you have the sheep of X, which is the black sheep. And that's the student of science or the student of logic or engineering, whatever. Same thing with the art. It could be anything like design counts, philosophy counts for both sides. Mm interestingly enough um but uh yeah so that's the student and then from there you can go from the go to the chef of x which is basically a scientist or a logician or whatever someone who is technically skilled they've completed some accomplishment that is significant enough to them to consider themselves not just a student of science but a student or whatever you want to fill in with science something technical now the other two are a little bit more confusing to navigate. But basically, if you're starting from, let's say, a red chef, which is the circle, um, then if you want to get to a chef of X, then you have two options. Both of them could work. I mean, uh, initially what I thought was you have to go diagonally up to the red sheep with a black hat, which and the dot represents a chef hat. Um, because you kind of... If you've been living like a red chef, then you embody the red chef, even though you're the student of something scientific. 
Um, but now I actually think it could work out either way. Like if you're, if you're a red chef, you could also say, uh, you could also say that if you're doing things that are technical or scientific, the way that you're approaching them is from the perspective of an artist. So you're looking at each step as an artistic technique. And in that sense, you're kind of embodying, you're kind of staying the student of art the whole time. It's just the output is science. So in that sense, you could also be whatever. But the naming is where it gets a little funny because, like I said, this one is the uh, sheep of X, which is a black sheep also. And this is the red sheep. But these two are both red chef of X's. But it's just the emphasis is a little different. Like I would consider the one that's body that has the red body to be the the red chef of X, where red chef is one word, and then the F of X is you're the student of science. But then the other one would be the red chef of X, <laughs> where the chef of X is emphasized, but it's the red version of chef of X. You're a student of art, even though you at heart are a chef of X. So. It could go either way as far as like a chef becoming another type. But I mean, as of right now, it's that if, if you have a black body, you go to the black body for one first and then you graduate to become a red chef. But also you could just stay in the position of a red chef of X. Arguably, that's the best position to be in because it's the most versatile. But yeah, that's the rough idea behind the chef set. It's... If, I, if I'm looking at Chef of X comics developing, it, it's basically going from the description of one person to the description of one person when they're in conflict with themselves to the description of all possible people, right? And then it's like, the well, all possible people could fit into these categories. And then it goes to the description of all possible people and how they can change from one category to another. And the change really is, uh, you know, it's, it's captured beautifully in, in, the, uh, in the idea that I was thinking about this stuff while I was, for instance, uh, on antipsychotics in San Benito County in a solitary cell, you know, changing from the status of, uh, status of a student to the status of an inmate or changing from uh, being in psychosis to being someone who used to be in psychosis or, you know, going through the change of whatever, just being self-sufficient and being independent to being completely dependent on someone else deciding what I'm going to do throughout my day. It just became a lot more obvious that these static characters are not something I could stand behind. Like I, I, I used to have this this nightmare, not a real nightmare, right? But a nightmare that like 30 years from now, there would be a kid playing with like a Chef of X action figure or something. And they were saying like, you're this and I'm this. And I was like, that's not really what it is. Everybody is all of them. Everyone is a fucking layman. Everyone has certain, even though they don't realize it, everyone has certain skills in technical areas. Everyone has certain... Uh, um, tastes in art, right? And depending on whatever you're focused on at the time, you know, you use whatever skills you have at your disposal. But the idea that you're one thing, you could be labeled as one thing, 
is the opposite of what I was trying to remember. I was trying to think about my own world, you know? And yeah, it's an oversimplification, but I was studying physics at the time, or electrical engineering, rather. So, of course, I'm going to have this kind of reductionistic approach, but that's not the end. That's a step in the whole derivation. And I would say, if you're gonna, if there's anything close to an end point, it's going to be this, because anything more... You know, it's it's not very appealing. There's only so many figures here. There's not too much to understand. The only information that's missing are arrows, but that would make it a significantly uglier diagram. This, to me, is the essence of what I liked about math and physics when I was a kid. When I saw shit like Goodwill Hunting, is that you have a lot of information in a simple form. You know, it's 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 an elegant equation. It's a it's a dense representation. Now, to me, it's very meaningful. But it doesn't have to be. It could also just be design. And uh, to me, that's the beauty of the chef set. But anyhow, I think, I mean, in theory, that this a lot of this stuff that's in the vector drawings represent also the stage of me going closer toward marketing than... Uh, than content creation because now I can create just referencing the chef set for the rest of my life and I will be 100% well not 100% fulfilled with that alone right I need food and water but I'll be fulfilled with that artistically because I know what it means to me and I know and I've already described it for anyone else who wants to know what it means to me so uh, I mean I have a written description too not just right now but uh it really is the Nike swoosh now. It really is that I don't need to say anything else about it. I just need to use it when it makes sense to me, and that's it. And 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 that's like a level that, you know, when I was in solitary, I was dreaming about that. Hopefully, I can do, I I can finish this work in a way that I actually can be satisfied with. And again, that's something that these guys at the Honor Society will never understand. But this is done not because somebody says it meets the requirements, but because it meets my requirements. Because as a fucking red chef, as a chef of X, I declare this as a meal. I decided this is, this is something worth doing. And, and now it's at a level where I feel comfortable saying I'm finished with this, you know? But I think, uh, you know, um, I reference these these chef sheep related things a couple of times, like once a couple of times in the podcast, a couple of times in some songs. So uh, now I'm just glad that I have some clarity on what I mean. And then when I look through it, it agrees with what I was saying. So it wasn't just out of the blue. I'm not just helter skelter throwing shit out there. This means layman. Right. This means someone who is not particularly skilled. And when I use it, I try to make sure that it's consistent with what it is, because what it really is, is true in the world. This is completely made up, but it reflects something that is true about the world as I experience it, which is that people do have different levels of skill. And it does play an impact on the way they see the world. whether it's artistic taste, your ability to program a computer, or arguably the sheep might be better at uh, connecting with people than others. I don't know, but I mean, it's an argument that could be made. Skills are involved, but you need your instincts too. 
you know? Or maybe raising uh, a kid involves a lot more sheep activity than, you know, painting a picture. Who knows? It's not necessarily a bad thing. It just is what it is, you know? But on that note, I'm actually going to end this pseudo-podcast. Although, maybe I should just count this as one. Uh, with the most important question in the, the universe. The most important question in the universe. Break or break? And the first one is like snap. Second one is like time off. Break as in time off. That's right. The Chef of X podcast. Thank you for your mm, time. Delicious.